everyone and welcome back to the Mouth of the Time podcast brought to you by the Shields Gazette. I'm Dominic Skirt, joined as ever by Miles Starforth and Joe Buck to talk all things Newcastle United. And Miles, once again, it's it's shaping up to be another very positive podcast. Yes, let's, let's hope so. I, I games unbeaten. I know how long have we been able to say that since we've been able to say that. Uh, I know you know the answer to that, and it, it's 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 a very long time. Um, we've we've had eight game losing runs, you know, winless runs, but uh, an eight game unbeaten run is is terrific, really, um, especially given the amount of wins in that run as well. Yeah, since the start of the 11-12 season when Newcastle came fifth, the last time they went on a eight-game unbeaten run, that actually went on a 14-game unbeaten run that season, um, extending to the um, previous season before that as well. So, very good for Eddie Howe's side. And remarkably, they could potentially have their longest unbeaten run and longest winless streak all in the same season, which just sort of epitomises the turnaround they've had. So... And the Brighton win, yet another positive week. Five wins out of six now. Eight unbeaten, like we say. Seven points clear of the relegation zone. Those The good times just keep keep coming, Joe, for the time being, at least. Yeah, it's, it's been great. As I said last week, it's it's completely, you know, not what we used to, but long may it continue. Um, I thought Brighton, I thought the Brighton game was probably their worst performance of the run. But they got the three points and that's all that matters. I think Brighton controlled the game. They had a lot of the ball, um, but, you, you know, they got them two goals. And to be fair, they never really looked like losing. I know Brighton had a few chances, but I thought they felt confident and they were controlling. Not without the ball, they were controlling the game. So I thought it was a, it was a good win, albeit not the best performance. Yeah, it was a strange game. They sort of took that 2-0 lead against the runner play with Ryan Fraser and Fabian Cher scoring so early on. And then it was just... Sort of saw it out. They had a bit of a scare with Lewis Dunk pulling the goal back. Um, first ever win against Brighton in the Premier League at the 10th attempt. Um, Miles, do you agree with Joe? Do you think that's probably the worst performance Newcastle have had over this eight game unbeaten run? Yeah, the, I think how Eddie Howe made a reference to it this you know this morning, you know, winning ugly, um, was the phrase he used, and I think I think they did. They had to show a different side of the game. There was a you know, you think back to the away game at uh, the Amex Stadium. Again, they, they were awful first half, but can they manage to hang on in that game? Um, showed a bit of resilience and got a point out of a 1-1 draw um, that night. Uh, Eddie Howe was in the stand watching. He would take over for the following game. Um, and, and again, we didn't, yeah, we, didn't, we didn't see the best of them at, at, at all. I think the league was, it was against the runner play. Um, they never really got a hold of the ball in midfield. Uh, Shelby addressed this in a kind of apology he issued, um, a little strange uh, apology he issued through the club, you know, a couple of days after the game. Um, and Brighton re- really dominated. Uh, they used the ball well, especially down the flanks. But again, that resilience—it was there. Um, they did what they had to do. They, they 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 had those two moments of quality for the for the goals. Um, and that uh, was what counted in the end. Yeah, and a lot of it has been made of Newcastle's January business being a sort of catalyst for getting them out of relegation trouble, if you like, up to 14th in the table. But you look at like Ryan Fraser, Fabian Cher getting on the score sheet, players like John Joe Shelby, Joe Linton playing so well. It's The players already in the building are also making the difference, would you say? No, I to- totally agree. Um, unquestionably, the players they brought in, in in January have made a big impact. Um, 
we've talked about it before, Ryan Fraser, that he, he never got really over his injury problems in this first season. I'm not sure Steve Bruce had, an, had a clear idea where to use him or what position, to, how he would fit into the systems he, he wanted to play. Um, Gillian, and we talked about at length, he, he's been transformed into you know an absolute beast of a midfielder. Um, Fabian Scher, remember he came back into the to the uh, Eddie Howe's first starting eleven against Brentford. Mm. He hadn't played for two months, and he, you know, understandably, he looked he, he didn't look sharp. He looked a bit rusty. But game by game, week by week, he's now looking uh, the Fabian Scher we saw that uh, first season when he really established himself at the club. Um, we we'll maybe talk about this a bit later on, but uh, he he was at Northeast Football of the Year. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, and deservedly so. A very classy defender. I think he he suits how you know we've again we've touched on this. He's a player how was aware of before he he joined Newcastle, um, and you can see why really he's, he's so good with the ball at his feet. He's not necessarily the quickest or the most mobile, uh, but he competes well and he can really turn defence into attack. Yeah, definitely. And um, if you're looking at the the table now, Newcastle obviously seven points clear of the relegation zone. Joe, without wanting to jinx it, does it feel like Newcastle are out of it now and can start looking up? Or are you still wary of the situation then? Uh, still wary because, you know, this is Newcastle at the end of the day. But, um, you know, 28 points, it's a, it's a nice solid place to be. You have seven points above Burnley and the bottom five all lost this weekend, I believe. So even just little results like that, you know, Newcastle and Brentford are pulled pull themselves away um they're not safe yet because naturally if they lost every game between now and the end of the season they'd probably go down but it's a really healthy position to be in um especially coming into the, i know we'll touch on it later but these four games are going to be massive you know very difficult these four away games so it's nice to be able to have a little bit of a gap as we head into them games yeah miles how are you feeling about the, the final sort of dozen or so games of the season well, obviously, a lot more optimistic than I was two, three, three months ago. Um, I don't think anyone can really relax. I think maybe you could start to look forward and plan, or certainly Eddie Howe and and, and the staff at the club when they get to the kind of mid thirties. Um, let's hope they get there sooner rather than later. They've got these three games. Given the form, the form of the team, you can see them picking up points. They might get close to being in the mid thirties. Um, um, by the end of the month, which will be terrific, really. Um, so, uh, so, so many things to be optimistic about at the minute. Uh, and uh, let's hope they can get a result or two in this coming run. Yeah, and Miles, you touched on it before. Northeast uh, Football Writers Association Player of the Year. Um, Fabian Cher won it uh, a couple of years ago. Alan St. Maximan won it uh, this year. Wasn't there to collect the award. Amanda Stavely spoke on his behalf, but. Um, Deserved award for him based on the impact he had in 2021. Yeah, it's it, it's it's done over a calendar year, so it's you know the back end of a season, the start of a season. Um, so it's it's not always the easiest award to judge. We're asked for our votes every year because um, you you're looking for a player who, who who's performed well over two seasons, and it, and and for me there was only really. Um, Callum Wilson and and Sam Maximum and and Sam Maximum's just kind of sneaked it really deservedly so because it's it's been a tough season. I think back to um, last season that uh, the start of that run for me was away at Burnley um, when he really kick started things with that uh, goal and an assist. 
Uh, and from there on, he played a big part in in getting the team over the line. Um, again, done well at times in the first half of this season. Um, and hopefully there's a lot more to come from him uh, between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and Amanda Stavely, collecting the award, spoke quite at length and mentioned how the Newcastle team, when she came into the club, weren't fit and, and things like that. And um, Kieran Trippier has also addressed it. Ryan Fraser has addressed it a couple of times. Quite a few players have. And Joe, is, is it as much, maybe not digging out Steve Bruce as much, but is it more compliment to, to Eddie Howe that so many people are, are, are discussing this transformation or is it more of a, a dig at Steve Bruce, do you think? No, I think I think it's definitely praising Eddie Howe because I think we, we can see it on the pitch every time they, you know, they go into games, they're not getting tired after 60, 60th minute, 70th minute. And I think it's not just the, the fitness for me, it's the fact that they're fit enough to be able to impose themselves on games. They're not having to think, oh, we'll have to defend here because we're all tired. Um, but it's definitely the work Eddie Howe's done. He, well, it took a while to kick in, but now we're seeing the you know the results of that. And it's it's an interesting one because Steve Bruce probably well he did exactly what his employers wanted him to do. You know Newcastle were a Premier League team throughout. You know he he kept winning the league, um, so he probably he probably did enough. But I think we've all seen the difference in fitness, and it's it is good to see that we are now seeing it on the pitch because Eddie Howe, from what I can tell, is just so meticulous. I think in his press conference today, he's talked about Saturday night watching the match again. Now, I know it was a good win, but fair play to him for doing that because, you know, and that just shows how meticulous he is and his planning and, and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, he certainly works hard, Eddie Howe. No days off uh, for Newcastle this week, Miles, either on the Sunday. Yeah, the fitness thing's interesting because um, we'd all had our views, I guess, on the on the fitness of the players under Steve Bruce. How has been asked about this since taking charge, he's, he's kind of danced around the issue, really. He, he's, he's been very kind of coy about it. But, you know, people privately at the club are saying fitness was an issue. Uh, and that's what we as journalists felt when we watched certain performances. Um, we'd see the training schedule, the number of days off, and we would question that. And that was an area Steve Bruce was quite sensitive to, 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 to questioning on. Um, he would say it was all done with a conjunction with a sports scientist. It was the, the program, the training days were quite carefully worked out. Uh, there's obviously different ways to go about this job. And under how training's more intense, that's something, as you mentioned, Kieran Trippi has spoken about. He, he expects you to train as you as as as, as you would play, um, and that's uh, that's clearly benefited the team. That, that there's far more intensity, um, energy in the performances. Uh, and we've seen results on the back of that. Yeah, and like Joe touched on before, three tricky away games coming up over the next week or so. It's a tough one for our expenses sheet, but how do you feel going into this this run for, for Newcastle Miles, where you've got Southampton on Thursday, Chelsea on Sunday, and then Everton away next Thursday? It's it's a big ask, and I think what, what we've seen up to, well, in recent weeks, Eddie Howe's been reluctant to change a kind of winning team or a, or a team which has got some kind of rhythm especially in midfield. He's going to have to change, probably make some changes over these next three games. Different different challenges in all three of them, really. Um, but you'd look at this run and think there are, there are some points there. Um, it, it's certainly a challenge, but I think what the past few weeks this this terrific run has done is, is take the pressure off a little bit. They're, they're not going at this run of three games thinking, oh, you know, we need, we need six points, we need... We need 
you know two wins we did a win and two draws or whatever they can they can they can have a bit more freedom if that makes sense going into this the pressure's off a little bit um you wouldn't want to be going into this this run of games if you're in the Burnley's position or you know mm. on the on just a, just above the relegation zone or, or or even in the bottom three um so they can go in there hopefully they can take some points but uh, they've done they've done a lot of hard work over the past few weeks which has set themselves up for for this back end of the season and and these three games aren't going to decide their fate yeah and, and if Newcastle were to avoid defeat over the next three games not to get too far ahead of ourselves but like I said before it would equal the longest unbeaten run over a single Premier League season of 11 games and Joe you touched on it before but what do you make of Newcastle's chances going into these next three away games in quick succession do you feel they are capable, not whether they will or won't, but do you think they're capable of um, getting results in the next three games? Absolutely. They're certainly capable of getting at least one or two wins. I think the game against Chelsea will be hard. They never do well at Stamford Bridge in you know European champions. But I think especially Southampton and Everton, they'll be ch- tough games. You know They're not going to go in and it's going to be easy. But you know 4-0 defeat for Southampton on the weekend, 5-0 Everton on Monday night. There are weaknesses there. And... If you're Southampton Evan, the last team you want to be turning up right now is probably Newcastle. So, they can, as Miles said, they can go in full of confidence and not have to worry about their positioning. And you never know, six, even if they get nothing, even if they get no points, it's still been a fantastic nine games. And they've earned these next three games to go out and express themselves and just give it a go. Yeah, if, even if they were to get no points, which hopefully won't be the case, they're still very likely to be out of the relegation zone and maybe a couple of points clear still. But um, Southampton manager Ralph Hassenhurtel uh, speaking to the media uh, today, as Eddie Howe was, he caused quite the stir when the match was originally postponed back in January due to injuries and COVID on Newcastle's part. He said it wouldn't be fair for Newcastle to play new signings in the rearranged fixture. But as it happens, Chris Wood, Bruno Gimaresh and Dan Byrne and Matt Target, who was a Southampton player, all set to make the journey down to St Mary's. And Hassan Hurtel said today um, that the match should have been played two months ago and that Newcastle are a completely different side now. Miles, just on that point, do, do you ag- agree with what the Southampton manager is saying there? Or it- well, there's a, there's a few strands to this. Um, it, it was absolutely right. The game was postponed um, going by the, the, the Premier League protocols. Um, there weren't enough players there due to COVID-19 cases and injuries. Um, there wasn't the minimum number. So it's absolutely right. It was it, it was postponed. Uh, obviously, Hassan has made, repeatedly made the point that they, they were without a lot of players the previous season uh, and they still had to play. But the, the, the rules were different uh, at the time. Um, and I'm sure if they could have got a postponement, they, they would have done. If you, you will remember that the heavy defeat they had last season. Um, I can I can understand some of what he says. If you if you're Ralph Hassenhut, this is an important game for you. You know if it's postponed two months or three months that Newcastle United, you knew they were going to spend money that in January. You knew you'll be facing a stronger team. You you also knew that Eddie Howe would put the, the, a lot of work into this team and they would be a, a tougher proposition. So you, I can understand him. He would want the game on uh, a depleted team. Which hasn't which had less time with the the head coach uh, and hasn't got any new signings in. 
so yeah, I can yeah. understand that. But uh, in terms of his arguments, don't really stack up. Um, in terms of how how on earth would you have a system where you know you can't have these new signers in the team? It it doesn't it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, though, as I say, I can understand his his keenness to for the game to be played back in January. Yeah, and Joe, whether you agree with what the Southampton manager is saying or not, it adds a little bit more spice to, to the game on Thursday. It certainly does. It's been something, you know, that was started at the end of last year when the postponement was made and it has dragged on pretty much throughout January with people revisiting it. But um, I agree with what Miles said. It, it, is a, it is a different team, but that was always going to be the case. And it would have been the case if Southampton had strengthened in January as well. They could have had a couple of players, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, if you just look at the names, I know you listed, you've got Dan Byrne and Matt Target, who are probably likely to start, and then Chris Wood up front. Bruno, we don't know, you know, he might get a chance. But them three, they're the old, you know, they're the new signers that have played. And if you said to Ralph Hasenutl in the beginning of January that you'd play a Newcastle team with with Byrne, Target and Wood in, would would he have been making so much of us? I'm not sure because you know, I think obviously Trippier would have been the big one, but them three players have transformed Newcastle, but would you have known that at the beginning of January? I don't think so. Yeah, that's a good point, to be fair. These are three players you, of the calibre you play sort of week in, week out in the Premier League. So, yeah, I, I don't think his, his point has really stood up in that regard. But um, moving on, Eddie Howe was speaking to the media this Wednesday morning. Miles, you were at the press conference. Just how, how did that go and what did Eddie Howe discuss? Well, the, obviously, one strand was the Hasnettle comments. Um, Eddie Howe said he wasn't aware of what Hasnettle had said. Um, I'm not sure I, I, I completely believe that because I'm sure he was aware of, uh, you know, some of the controversy or, or unhappiness at the Southampton end at, at the postponement. Um, in terms of injuries, nothing too new there, though. Matt, Matt uh, Ritchie's back in trading, so maximum not 100% um, yet, but obviously he'll be involved. Um, otherwise, no fresh injury concerns, according to how. Also spoke about John Joe Shelby's, the, the apology he issued. Um, so it, it was a strange one, but uh, maybe Shelby was being too hard on himself. Um, you know, given that he's he's been wearing the captain's armband and and sets a high standard for himself, uh, touched on a few other issues, but uh, the, I think the bulk of it uh, or the the, the main um, main lines were were concerning um, the Hassan Hassan Huttle comments and uh, Shelby's apology. Yeah, and Eddie Howe's named an unchanged uh, starting eleven for the last three Premier League games. Do you expect that to continue, or will he have some? Um, consideration for the fact to play Chelsea on Sunday as well. I think we'll we'll have a little bit of continuation. I wouldn't necessarily put any money on it being unchanged. Um, if it is, you'd expect a change for Chelsea. Um, he, he, again, he he did touch on this. He, he said he'd been reluctant to change a team because of the, the rhythm of the, of the team. It's you know the team didn't have any rhythm really in the first half of the season. So when you get that, you don't want to make too many changes. Um, but just kind of hinted, you know, um, the, the decisions he's got to, got to face. Uh, we'll obviously, understand he wouldn't give any clarity on terms of his thinking on those changes. Those, there's one or two uh, players that we, we'd expect to feature, maybe a first start for Guimaraes, if not uh, at Southampton at uh, Chelsea. 
you would imagine. Um, he he would uh, certainly add a different dimension to it to, to the team uh, as as well as it's been doing. Um, so he's got options. Sam Maxim, of course, um, to come back into the team at some point. Whether again, whether at Southampton or, or Chelsea, he's not quite there yet. But he would certainly, um, you know, as like Omerish, add something to the team. Um, though all wouldn't take anything away from the work that uh, Fraser and Murphy have done. Um, they're, 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 they're doing a different job to him uh, in those kind of wide areas. Yeah, and Joe, on that, how would you like to see Newcastle line up at Southampton? Would, do you want any changes or do you want how to stick with that winning team? I think he's got to stick with very much the spine of the team. Um, for me, the only changes would be wingers, whether I say Maxman's fit enough, Ryan Fraser looked absolutely shattered the other day, which is not a surprise because he run, runs himself into the ground again. So whether he gets a rest, I think, I don't want to say that he should throw away the Chelsea game, but if you look at Southampton and Everton, you you know, likely to pick up points there. So I, I would expect probably a fair few, you know, changes for the Chelsea game. And he's going to, for me, we'll try and keep the 11 sort of together for that Southampton and Everton. I would like to see Bruno. I think we all would like to see Bruno, but um, whether we do or not, we'll have to wait. Yeah, and what, what did you make of him coming off the bench at Brighton? Because he was the coolest man in St James's Park when he was pirouetting on the touchline. And it's like, that was mad. And Eddie Howe addressed that after the game. It was hot in the mouth stuff, but he was a cool, calm customer. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to see that too often, but it was just a little glimpse at that, his talent. And, I, and the, the, the longest we've had a look at him was at Brentford and, and just, you know, probably repeat myself here, but... The amount of touches he had uh, was just phenomenal in that um, you know twenty odd minutes he had on the pitch um, against Brentford. Very very quick mind, quick feet. Um, everything went through him. It was just a, you know a, a kind of tantalising glimpse, really, what what we hope he can bring to this team. Yeah, Miles, you broke the news uh, this week that Matt Target has a fifteen million pound option to buy at the end of the season. He's currently on loan from Aston Villa. Is that something you'd like to see the club pursue in the summer or the club will pursue in the summer? Well, on the basis of what we've seen so far, it would look uh, look to be a no-brainer. Um, as I understand it, the £15 million would be less the loan fee, so uh, it, the loan fee plus the fee would would, would total £15 million. But he's, again, how said this today, he's settled in so well on and off the pitch, uh, very steady, um, unfussy, just, just got on with his job really. So, you would you would think um, it would be a no-brainer um, if uh, if he can maintain this form between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and Joe, fifteen million in today's market is seems like great business, great value for money in Matt Target based on, like Miles says, what we've seen so far. Yeah, absolutely. Is Premier League experience? You know, we've already seen what we're, what you could get from him. He's gonna he's already slotted in perfectly on that left, and he just brings seven you know seven eight out of ten performances every game, and it's. You know him on the left allows Saint Maximin to be to be Saint Maximin really. You know his solidity at the back just allows that to happen, and I think I think it would be an absolute steal. Yeah, I completely agree. So yeah, I, I guess on that note we'll we'll wrap it up there. It's, it's a busy week coming up for Newcastle. We'll be all working hard over the over the Shields Gazette, so you can stay up to date with all our Newcastle coverage from Miles, Joe, or myself. Um, there, you can also follow us all on Twitter. And even subscribe to the Shields Gazette for unlimited ad light access to all of our Newcastle United coverage. Just head over to shieldsgazette.com forward slash subscriptions for more information on that. 
But Miles Joe, as always, it's been a pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you can all join us next time on the Mouth of the Time podcast. Cheers.